Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for our guest today. I had the honor of meeting Benny Sims last year at a writer's conference, Killer Nashville to be exact. It was my first time and it was fabulous. And meeting Benny and his lovely bride was part of that. But later on that um, whole story, uh, Benny Sims can trace the origin of his love for storytelling to reading Jack London's The Call of the Wild when he was seven years old and listening to his uncle tell stories of being an artillery cannoneer in North Africa and Italy during World War II. Several teachers in high school and college recognized his aptitude for writing and encouraged him to pursue it, and he's never stopped since. He grew up in Tennessee, but moved to Southern Illinois when he was 14. After attending college in uh, Murray, Kentucky, he relocated back to Tennessee to work as a journalist. After working for the aerospace industry in Huntsville, Alabama for more than three decades, he is now retired and lives in Foley, Alabama. His long life dream of having a novel published was realized with the 2020 release of his debut novel, Code Gray, which I have a wonderful copy of. It is a thriller, suspense, mystery, dealing with politics, murder, voter manipulation, and the money behind it all. Not that we know anything about that in these current times. But anyway, we connected over our shared backgrounds of being thriller writers and a fun, quirky fact about Benny is he does something most writers do not do. What would that be? Sleep, enjoy rejection letters, enjoy platform building, I don't know. Um, but it's none of those things. He writes standing up. He got the idea after visiting Ernest Hemingway's home in Key West, Florida and decided there was a marked difference using his approach, using this approach in his writing quality. That's, that's incredible, Benny. That's true, huh? That is true. And, and that is actually how I decided to do that. Uh, 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 by visiting the Hemingway House in Key West, and uh, I would advise that for anybody anybody who is interested in writing, that is such a uh, an inspiring place. But anyway, as far as uh, standing up, I gave it a try. Uh, I had already written quite a bit of uh, of my novel Code Gray, and uh, uh, I changed to when I was writing, not my editing, but my writing, the actual creative part of it, uh, I stood up. Uh, I've got a stand-up desk uh, that, you know, raise up and down, and, and I stood up, and I could tell a difference in the quality of my writing. It's, it's almost like I focused a little bit better, and uh, uh, and I didn't get as distracted, and for some reason, the, it was just better writing, so that's what I do all the time now when I'm writing. Stand up. Oh, I might have to try that. I've been to, I've been to um, Ernest Hemingway's house a couple of times. Oh, my family and I love Key West, and I drag them there, there every time we go to Key West. Um, <laughs> and I never noticed. I mean, I noticed his cats. We, we, I mean, <laughs> it encouraged my cat habit. But that, um, I, ne I never noticed that. Oh yeah, that 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 was one of the uh, you know they have tour guides uh, yeah. that take you through the house and um, one of the tour guides mentioned that he he wrote standing up. Uh, Ernest Hemingway didn't have a a stand up desk. He uh, he kept his typewriter on top of a bookcase uh, uh, again, that was just up against the wall, 
and and uh, he had to write standing up for various reasons. It wasn't for his focus or anything like that. It was uh, he had been a correspondent in um, uh, like early war. I think it was World War One or something okay. like the uh, Spanish Civil War or something along those lines. Oh. And he had got he had gotten injured in his uh, in his legs. Uh, uh, he he had he had uh, got hit with some shrapnel, and it hurt him to sit for long periods of time. So, oh. so he decided to stand up uh, when he was you know because he would write for several hours straight, um, and uh, and that's just the, it, the way he wrote for the rest of his life, as I understand it. Wow. He yeah, kind of cool. Imagine, yeah, imagine if he had all these fancy desks that you see now. I mean, he would have been really. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> he'd have been. Yeah, he'd have been in heaven, man. It, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's actually what I did. I I, I got uh, ordered myself some uh, legs that raise up and down, and I I made a little uh, butcher block, six foot long butcher block desktop that I just bolted onto the legs, and that's what I use now. So I love it. I gotta yeah. try that. So yeah. so we've touched on your your genre, you know, um, unless there's a, unless there's some other genre that you write about, and I'm not. I'm not aware of, but what what made you write in this particular genre? Um, I think looking back on everything from when I was a, a kid, I always liked uh, action and and uh, kind of like a whodunit, a mystery type uh, stories. They always intrigued me, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there uh, uh, and, and things that were just kind of uh, where you where the character is in is in danger or or has a, a some kind of a a riddle they're trying to work out things like that just always interested me when i was uh young and growing up that's what i always read mm-hmm. and and then i just started of course i mean i've been writing different things off and on all my life but when yeah. i decided to sit down and do this book it just I just wanted to approach it from a thriller slash mystery standpoint because that's mm-hmm. what I like. I like to read, and yeah. and and that's what I would suggest to all writers: is hey, write what you like to read. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, and I'm a big fan of uh, Lee Child in the Jack Reacher series. Oh, love it! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's he is my inspiration, really. Uh, and 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 you know his his books have a lot of action, a lot of uh, there's mystery involved in it, and 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 that has always uh, appealed to me. So that's that's what I write. Okay, wonderful. So how do you go about doing research for your books? Um. Well, the first thing I do uh, is I'll find a, an, a video of Lee Child on the, on YouTube, oh, and wow. uh, and listen to his and listen to his advice, yeah. uh, and 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 I have to agree with what he says about research. He says your whole life is research. Oh. Uh, everything that you've ever been through, every you know the people you've met, the people you've grown up with, all that is it, it becomes research even if you don't realize that it's research wow. uh it, it it becomes research and then if there's specific things that i want to uh include in my book you know that if there's a particular weapon that's being used by by someone i'll i'll look online of the uh you know the 
uh, ins and outs of that weapon, how it's how it's supposed to be used, uh, what kind of effect it has on if it's used against a victim, uh, things things like that. So uh, I will focus my research on specific uh, weapons and 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 like acts of violence if there's if that's in my book. But yeah. basically, I just rely on what I've learned and seen all my life. Okay, that's yeah, that's good to know. And yeah. so, no, you are being interviewed as part of our expert series due to the prestigious award you won at Killer Nashville. Can you describe the project that helped you to win this award? Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's my it, my book, Code Gray, that you mentioned earlier, is is the the novel. Um, and it's my, I consider it my debut novel. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it is, um, to describe the, the story of Code Gray, it takes place in New York City uh, during a presidential election. Mm -hmm. And um, members of the media are being killed uh, one every so many, every so, so often, so many days. And, um, and it's starting to affect uh, the polling leading up to the election. And uh, the main character is a FBI agent named Bodie Anderson. Mm -hmm. And he is a longtime 25-year uh, veteran. Uh, and it, it is his job to find the killer uh, and, and, and to stop these murders. And, you know, there's um, all kinds of twists, turns, uh, lots of chases and lots of uh, uh, red herrings and things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that, so guys, I got a chance to be there when Mr. Benny Sims won this prestigious award. I was sitting on his table with the big winner of this night. <laughs> Our uh, table just really connected and we celebrated like rock stars. I mean, that was just a night to remember. Yes, it was. And and, <laughs> and, and if you don't mind, let me tell the story of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the banquet at Killer Nashville is, is, is when they, you know, they give out the awards for um, the winning novels in each genre. And my, uh, my book, Code Gray, was entered in the mystery genre. And, um, and, and I, you know, with it being a debut novel and uh, I had read uh, some of the opening chapters on, of several of the other finalists in the mystery genre, mm -hmm. I thought, uh, I don't stand one chance of even, I said, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky to be even a finalist for this. So I want to go, I want to go to the banquet anyway. And you know, whoever wins, I want to congratulate them. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, my wife and I, my wife, Tammy and I, uh, uh, got to the banquet hall fairly early and, um, uh, the podium is at one end, and they've got a, a little sound, a stage with a band sitting up behind them. Uh, and I didn't want to be up there in the middle of everything, so we we just picked a table at the very back of the room, and just kind of to be out of the way. And uh, and and Tammy says, "You think anybody will sit with us?" And I said, "Oh yeah, there'll be it'll be full in here." Mm -hmm. Well, a few minutes later. A uh, couple of ladies walked up, uh, Angela Watts and Chana Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Chana says, is anybody sitting here? And she was 
uh, pointing to the chair next to me. I said, no, as a matter of fact, I saved that chair for you. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so they sat down and then a few minutes later, Catherine, you, you came in and, uh-huh. and, 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 and sat, sat there with us. Uh, and then there were a couple of other ladies that sat there. There was a uh, lady named Stacy Lucas. She was a, a aspiring writer. And then the, the two women uh, who were with the Murder at the Beach bookstore, which is That's the bookstore right. that sells that sells yeah. all the books at, at Killer Nashville. I don't remember their last names, but their names were Cheryl and Joanne. And I feel so bad that I can't remember their last names. Wow. But anyway, it was me and seven other women. Yeah. And and we just uh, we just started talking and kind of cutting up and and everybody treated me like they'd known me for a hundred years you know and that made me feel so good and and then it came out that they realized that i was a finalist Mm -hmm. because i didn't really tell them they just asked me are you are you in going to be in in one of these finalists i said yeah my book's up for best mystery well i shouldn't have said that because it next thing you know it was like oh no (laughs) Oh man, you're in trouble. And they said, they said, you know how at high school graduations, when somebody's name's announced to get their diploma, the whole family in the stands just screams and yells. I said, yeah. They said, we're going to do that to you. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I said, well, you, I said, you don't have to worry about that. It's not going to happen because I'm not going to win. I'm just not going to win. I mean, I've, I've seen the writing of some of these other finalists and my gosh that it was phenomenal how good they are and they're like oh yeah 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 you were go- oh you're going to hear about it uh-huh. well uh clay stafford is the is is the founder of, of killer national he was the the mc he he was the master of ceremonies and he was announcing all the finalists and and handing out the awards and when he got to the mystery category that he 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 was reading off names and he he said code gray benny sims and everybody at my table including you uh <laughs> cheered and clapped and, and 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 they haven't hadn't done that for anybody else all night long there wow. none of the other tables cleared cheered and clapped and yelled <laughs> and all that well my table did oh, and yeah. And Clay Stafford just kind of paused and said, hey, he must have brought his whole family. And, and, and <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, he brought his yeah. whole family. <laughs> so, you know, right. uh, I thought that, well, and then they read off, you know, the winner is, you know, they, uh, I think his daughter uh, brought the, um, uh, the medal, uh, the, the winners get a medal, yes. uh, very, very nice medal. Um, brought it to him and he looked, he stopped and he says, well, the family ought to be proud, Code Gray. Oh. And, and, and everybody oh my at my God. table erupted and, and just cheered and yelled. And, oh, yeah. and I'm, and I'm just, I'm, I'm actually gobsmacked, stunned. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of weaving my way up to the podium because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And yeah. Jana Johnson followed me all the way to the podium. She followed yes. me, and, and and I stopped about halfway because I could, I felt somebody uh, following me, and 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 I turned around. It was her. She was right on my heels, and she says, "Keep going. I'm gonna take your picture." That's right. And <laughs> and, and I, I get up there and shake hands with Clay Stafford, and then uh, and then the first I, I get up there and have to wait about. 
20, 30 seconds because she's kind of milling around in front of the podium taking my picture. Uh, and then she, she leaves. And then the first thing I said was, when I walked in here tonight, I had no idea I was going to end up with an instant cheering section. And I, <laughs> and I said, so thank you to my new family. And uh, uh, you guys were absolutely fantastic it, yeah. it, it that was a night to remember you know we we took a group picture after the whole thing was over with mm -hmm. it was uh it was yeah. so much fun it was the biggest moment of my as i call it my my pathetic literary career oh uh, no mm -mm. but that that was so much fun it was so yeah. great meeting everybody everybody was so nice to me and it's it's a night that i will never ever forget no yeah me neither and you're <laughs> so humble and guys, he, he is he is acting so humble. This guy, his writing is incredible. Uh, and he is the reason why I bought so many books. I had to have um, those wonderful women from the Murder at the Beach bookstore send me my box of books because I, I could never <laughs> take it on the plane. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's too big. So uh, it's, you, that was a fantastic night. And it just goes to show that when we do reach those milestones, we get we have to be happy for each other. We can't just be um, happy for ourselves. We have to celebrate our fellow brothers and sisters in writing, even if we just met them. And right. and and then these authors like you, Benny, you know, celebrate because our our path is just is rife with so much rejection and discouragement. You're alone a lot. You, yeah, you know, it's often, you know, you're either standing or sitting at a desk. And, and so it's important to really celebrate each other. And that was that was an amazing accomplishment. And I was just <laughs> so happy to be part of it. It was so much. Fun. Yeah. Oh, that oh was. Yeah. And, and thank you for just randomly picking my table to sit down. at. I, that's uh, that that made the, the whole night so much better with with you ladies there. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. I want to read. I want to read our audience just a, a short part in his book. This is in, this is on page 47. Um, it says here, what are we going to call this project? The old man asked as he blew out another puff of cigar smoke. Code gray, said the young man. What does that mean to you? What does code gray mean when you hear it? I don't know. I, uh, I, I guess it's the young guy stammered. Flustered, he threw his hands out to the side and said, I don't know, tell me. Gray is a mixture of black and white. We're getting rid of the gray, making things pure again. And you have to kill people to do that? It's not me that's doing the killing. It's some left-wing nut. Haven't you been watching the news? Maybe so. But the truth, truth is that you're doing it. The old man chewed on his cigar for a few seconds, then blew out another large puff of smoke. Truth is a matter of perception. That's all, he said. What's true for you might not be true for me, and vice versa. If you believe something to be true, then it's true, as far as you're concerned. If the public wants to believe that somebody other than me is committing those murders, who am I to argue with them about their version of the truth? Think about your version of the truth. There are two ways that you don't that you know something is true. Either you've seen it for yourself or somebody tells you. And if somebody tells you something, you have to either believe them or not unless you check it out for yourself. The public is being told what their truth is, and they're too lazy to check it out for themselves, so they believe what they're told. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's so powerful. Oh, my God. Thank does you. That, does that not sum up some of the things that are going on in our world? And, and um, 
Uh, it, it's yeah. Just so, and it doesn't matter what political party you are affiliated with. It, it, I could care less. It's just interesting about how we, how we wrestle with the the, the notion of truth and what is truth now. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, you know what's uh, kind of a, a, a weird fact about that passage that you were reading. Uh-huh. Uh, I wrote that in 2005. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's still true today. And it's yeah. probably still yeah. be more true in yeah. 20 years from now. Yeah. I, I wrote I wrote that in 2005. Is It's when I first started writing Code Gray. And it took me uh, uh, nine years to write. Oh, preach, preach. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> we all know about that, don't we? About how long it takes to write a book. Yeah. Can't be like Stephen King and spit one out every two months, you know. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, it took, it took me, uh, nine years. I, uh, I finished, let's see, I started at 2014 is when I, is when I finished it. But that passage you wrote, that you read, uh, was, uh, written in 2005. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the cover of his book is that it really caught my eye because it's the, it's the, um, underneath the word code gray is, uh, a corpse. Like right in a like right. it would be in a morgue, and uh, the toe tag is the American flag, and then it says yeah. below, "Elections have consequences." Yeah, right. <laughs> uh huh. And what, what a great <laughs> cover! Oh my gosh! Thank oh. you. Uh, and, and I actually had to uh, I, I had to push against my publisher a little bit uh, for that cover. Uh, there was a whole different cover design for it originally. Uh, and I'm like, that's not the cover that I'm really wanting. And, and so we worked together, we worked together and, and got that. Now, to be honest with you, I didn't even have the idea for the American flag toe tag that was added by my publisher. So kudos to them, but I've gotten a lot of comments about the cover. Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. That's, and your, your publisher, you would, would you like to mention that? That is Panda Moon Publishing. Um, and they're based out of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of a, I guess you call it an indie publisher, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, I signed with them in in 2018. Okay, so you didn't have an agent. You didn't need an agent. No, I actually uh, signed with them uh, through a a Twitter pitch party. Oh my and, gosh! Tell yeah, us about that. Yeah. What is uh, that? Okay. Uh, there are are different periods during the year on Twitter, you know, and Twitter basically runs on hashtags, basically, right? Uh, and, and there's these pitch parties that last about 12 hours one day, you know, that wow. the one that I, the one that I uh, was uh, successful with was hashtag pit, the number two pub. So it was basically pitch to publication, pit to wow. pub. And and uh, what you do on on a, a pitch party is uh, uh, agents and publishers and editors uh, scour all over Twitter during those twelve hours, uh, looking for you know, people who are are pitching their book. And what you do is is on a, a tweet is you you put the hashtag for whatever pitch party it is, 
That, and then you also put a hashtag for what genre your book is in, and then you can give a description, a Twitter description of your book. Oh and if and if um, an agent or editor or, or publisher um, likes, clicks like on your tweet, that means they want to see your your full manuscript. And um, uh, and that's, but I didn't go that quite that same route because I missed the pitch party. I I actually, <laughs> oh wow, I was, I was at work that day and and I totally forgot about it uh, until it was after. I mean, it was about an hour after it was supposed to be over with, and I'm like, oh man, this was my last chance uh, because. Uh, Code Gray had received 146 rejections up to that yeah. point. Uh, it just rejection, rejection, rejection. And I thought, well, this is going to be my last chance and I'm just going to self-publish it. But uh, I, I, I saw an, uh, uh, an editor, uh, uh, Ashley Whitmer was her name, and, and, and she uh, was looking for a crime novel, maybe FBI based, yeah. you know, and... and and a little bit more description about it. I don't remember exactly what all she was looking for, but it basically matched Code Gray to a T. And oh. I sent her, I sent her a message immediately. It was already the the pitch party was already over with, and I sent her a message saying, uh, "Look, I'm sorry, I missed the pitch party, but I've got this book that actually seems to match exactly what you're looking for. Can I send it to you?" And she said. That sounds. Uh, she re she messaged me back saying that that sounds uh, sounds interesting. Uh, go ahead and send it to me, and I did. And then a few months later, I got uh, an email from Panda Moon's uh, acquisitions editor, Cheryl wow. Champagne, uh -huh. uh, and 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 uh, she said, "Code Gray is on my desk. Is waiting to be read next. And if we if I if I like it, I'm going to send it to our CEO, Sarah Kramer." And if she likes it, we'll move forward with publication. And wow. of course, I, I had to peel myself off the ceiling. You know, oh. I, after that, I mean, I was just, I was just over the moon um, mm. uh, after I read that. And then a few, several months later, I received an email from uh, Zara Kramer, and it was started out. The very first words were, "Congratulations on a great novel." Oh. And and after years and years and years, literally decades of trying to get published. The traditional, the traditional. I mean, I could have self-published, but I kind of like the idea of being properly vetted by right, a exactly. by a publisher. Right. Uh, after years and years, I I was given a contract. Uh, mm. So now they want wow. me to write. They want me to turn uh, this book into a series. So I'm actually in the process of writing a follow-up to Code Gray right now. I can't wait. I'm going to be yeah. there buying it because this book oh. is, is so good. You just, it's, a, it's such a page turner. Thank I've you. Never, I've never heard of that, of pitching on Twitter. That That's something new, and I really hope our audience gets that. And also to be, to be relentless and to persevere because you didn't even yeah. give up. You didn't say, oh, I missed it. I, I'm just going to give up. You continued. And look at that. It paid off. Yeah, I did. And, and and actually, I actually thought, oh, my gosh, it's too late. I've missed it. But what have I got to lose? All yeah. I could all she can tell me is sorry, it's too late, you know, uh, and that would be the same thing that I had heard for years and years trying to, uh, you know, query Code Gray to uh, agents and, and, and publishers. Uh, and I just got lucky. Ashley was 
very kind to me, very kind. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, and I will say this, and I think you can probably agree with this: the people in the, in the uh, literary world mm-hmm. are some of the nicest people yes. you'll ever yes. you'll ever want to meet. And yeah, and I don't and I don't know if you if you remember when I got up at the podium at Killer Nashville. That's one of the things I said mm-hmm. is that. We are we are members of some of the most the kindest, uh, most encouraging, and the most intelligent uh, group mm-hmm. of people you ever want to meet. Yeah, and I lo- and I love that. I love yeah. being a part of this community. Mm-hmm. I felt that way. I I established so many connections there, and you just feel like everyone is there to help you. If you don't feel like it's a competition, you right. feel like people are are in partnership with you. Is right. that how you feel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what advice can you offer to authors who are struggling with disappointment, writer's block, and rejection? Um, well, uh, I I actually uh, had, had listened to uh, your interview uh, earlier, like uh, I think it was last week, with Stephen Harms. Yeah, and, he's wonderful. And, yeah, and, and and it was amazing how how much his opinions and insight into this mirrored mine. But yeah. the main thing he he talked about and that I fully agree with is persevere. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, uh, you will miss if you decide to quit. If you decide to quit, yeah. uh, which is believe me, is very tempting because I almost did it myself. <laughs> but if you decide to quit, you will not succeed. Right. You you will miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, mm-hmm. it, uh, and that's an old saying I've heard for years. Uh, mm-hmm. per- persevere, have a thick skin. Uh, uh, no, when somebody tells you no, that doesn't necessarily mean doesn't mean no. Um, uh, there's a there's a a, a member of, of Pandemoon, a publisher uh, named Elgin Williams, and he has got a great saying. He says that. Uh, no doesn't mean no; it means not yet. And, oh, good, and, yeah, yeah. And, and so that may mean go back and polish your manuscript as much as you can. Uh, yeah. You know, work on your craft, persevere, keep going, keep there. I promise you, if you felt the need to write a story, there are another set of eyes out there that are willing to read it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's just a matter of getting your work in front of the right set of eyes. Mm-hmm. And and I was lucky to do that after tons and tons of rejections. Yeah. So that, that would be my main advice to people, writers who are struggling, is, is keep at it. Keep at yeah. it. Keep going. Uh, no doesn't mean no. It means not yet. I love it. That's so good. I'm glad you mentioned Stephen C. Harms. He, he's so encouraging because he mentioned that he had gone through 160 rejections and he is a, oh. a prolific writer. Yeah. And you're like, right. what? Who would reject him? But Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, so can you describe what your process is for writing a novel? Are you a pantser? Are you an outliner? I am. I... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I think if you look up the word pantser in the dictionary, I believe there's my picture in there. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think uh, I haven't checked. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm definitely a pantser. Uh, however, I do get an idea for certain high points in the story. You know, basically how I want it to end and how maybe maybe I want it to begin, and maybe a couple little pertinent. Uh, points in the middle of the story 
And I've got those kind of like in the back of my mind. And then I just stand at my keyboard and just start clicking away and, and let the characters tell me what's going to happen. Wow. I love yeah, it. I, yeah. And, and you know, I, I do the old, the same old, uh, what if, you know, if I get stuck on something, I, I do, I just say, well, what if this happened or what if that happened or what if this person maybe turned into a bad, you know, and, and yeah. you have to explore things like that. But that's basically the way I, I work is I just kind of, uh, get a general idea and then I wing it. I just basically wing it. I love it. That's oh, you, you're speaking my language. I, yeah. I put, I sometimes I put my characters into places and I'm like, oh my god, like this that was an awesome chapter. I'm like so pumped. And then I'm like, I don't even know how they're going to get out of this. This is really terrible. Yeah, I hope, that's. I, I'm like, I, I hope they figure it out so I can write it. You know? Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. When I was writing Code Gray, I had that exact same feeling. I, I would write some care. I would basically kind of paint myself into a corner. Yeah. Um, and I just kept at it. And I would, you know, I would set it down for maybe a day or two and then come back later after I slept on it a couple of times. And, and you know what? It always works out. It, it all, it, you just, if you keep at it and just keep writing, keep writing, keep creating, it will work out. Oh my goodness. That's, that is so good because there, there's some situations like I, like your bad guy is bad. Ooh, he's bad. Yeah. He's, a bad guy. he's a bad boy. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, they're going to get him. I'm, and, and, no. Um, ooh, he's bad. You got to read it guys. He, uh, mm -mm. Yeah. Um, so, how would you describe uh, or recommend lacing our writing or your writing with morality? Because we write some dark stuff and, and so yeah. we don't want to just leave that, just put that darkness out there and leave it. How do you recommend? Uh, what, well, what I tried to do, I, I first of all, I didn't consciously go about saying uh, we got to have a moral angle to the story or, yeah. or, or anything. Uh, I always like to have at least one character uh, who is a bit of a candle in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, a little bit of light, even even if it's a little bit. And that's the way I kind of tried to make my main character, Bodie Anderson. He's um, he he's he's got a moral center to him, uh, yeah. and uh, no matter how much he wants to do. Uh, things that are immoral uh, and it's usually on a spur of the moment uh, some some kind of passion in anger or something that mm -hmm. uh, he, he manages to kind of draw himself back and mm -hmm. not commit to the immoral things that you know make us bad people um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and it, you know he he always had I say he, I always, as I was writing him, I wanted to make sure that he, he had a, a feeling of, there's always going to be bad people in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as soon as they drop dead, there's going to be more bad people to step in their place. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the, all you can do is just, you just keep fighting them off as long as you can and, and, yeah. and, and lead by example. You can't necessarily force somebody to become moral. Uh, you can be a, a, a good example of what a morality should be, mm -hmm. you know, just do, do the right thing, kind of, you know, kind of a Spike Lee kind of thing, you know, just yeah. do the right thing, just do <laughs> the right thing uh, and, yeah. and, 
And, and and then if it, if other people notice that you're doing the right thing, and, and I say you, my character, you know, mm-hmm. then maybe they'll want to behave that way too. Yeah. So uh, and I try to do it without beating somebody, the reader, over the head with it because that you know you're not gonna get through to anybody that way. Yeah. Um, but I like opinion. I so that's what flushes out Bodie for me because he, it's not like he's this goody two shoes. He struggles, you know. Oh yeah. Like you said. But then he he does choose the right thing. But I yeah. like that he, I like in his thinking. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I could see why he would want want to do that. But he he chooses what's right. So he yeah. gives us that good moral compass, and it, he shows that oh man, he struggles. He's human, just like us, you know. Right. So yeah. Right. So you can you identify with him. Yeah. If you write a character that doesn't struggle with something like that, then you don't have a real character. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get if you have a character that is only good all the time uh, and and has no struggles with you know the dark side of life, right. uh, then they're not a fully fleshed out character, uh, mm-hmm. and they don't seem real. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this I I cannot believe that we are at the end of our time I can't together. Either. I it, but it's it was so much fun, and we learned so much from you. And and um, can you tell our audience how we? How they can get in touch with you? Uh, sure, I actually have a website that I, I that is in desperate desperate need of updating. <laughs> uh, it's 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 bennysims.com, uh, and it's Benny with a Y, not I E, and it's Sims with one M, not two M's. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's I like to tell people that's a waste of a perfectly good M when you put two M's in Sims, <laughs> but uh, BennySims.com, uh, you can, you can uh, write, uh, you know, go on that website and there's a way to contact me there or I'm on, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, um, and every once in a while I'm on Instagram, but not very often. That's another thing I need to uh, yeah. uh, update a little bit more, uh, but I would love to hear from anybody. I, yeah. I would love it. And you can also check him out on of the publisher site that's pandamoonpub.com it's p-a-n-d-a-m-o-o-n-p-u-b.com you can check right. him out there and um, see his profile his books what he's up to uh, so, so many ways to connect with him and i hope you do and i hope you get his book code gray where is it available uh it's it's available at the on the panda moon website or on amazon Okay. Uh, uh, either way, and it's available in in, in Kindle version, uh, ebook, and and, and uh, paperback, and it's also in the process right now of being recorded for audiobook. What? So, yeah, yeah, it's actually in the middle of recording. It's a, we're about uh, fourteen or fifteen chapters in, I think. Um, so that's coming up fairly soon. Okay, it's, are you recording it yourself or someone doing it for you? No, it's it's a gentleman named Mike Eberhart. He he has uh, uh, done the audio on a number of Pandemoon books, uh, and I, I just don't think that with my southern drawl that I've got, uh, I, I don't think it would fit something set in New York very well. So. No, you're right. It's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. It may have done. It may have been okay for Nashville, you know, but right, yeah. Uh, yeah, not for not for the Northeast. So yeah. no. Um, well, thank you, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us as we learn so much from Benny, who teaches us that elections have consequences. 
And <laughs> let's not forget to use our words to pierce through the darkness. Thank you, Kat.